Welcome to the Believe in the Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Bo Smolka, along with my co-host, former Ravens tight end, Daniel Wilcox. Today, we will look back at the Ravens' 20-19 loss to the Los Angeles Rams, the Ravens' fading playoff hopes, what they'll need to do to get to the playoffs, and of course, their regular season finale at home against their arch rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Ravens need that win plus some help if they want to make the playoffs for the fourth straight year. Let's first look back at this Rams game, and for the fourth time in five weeks, the Ravens lose by two points or less. It's now a five-game losing streak, the longest in the John Harbaugh era, and it's been tough because they've been in every single one of these games with a completely shorthanded roster. We knew knew that a John Harbaugh team would compete. I said this last week. They will compete to the end, and they were in it again, playing without Lamar Jackson again, who was out with the ankle injury and all the other injuries they have. They were there till the end, leading by five in the fourth quarter against one of the top teams in the NFC. But, of course, the Rams come down and score in the final minute of the game, and the Ravens have no answer and fall by one. There were two plays in this game that I think really changed everything. One was in the first half. The Ravens play an almost perfect first half, and they're winning 10 to nothing. and Tyler Huntley tries to throw a deep pass to Marquise Brown. They kind of miscommunicated what the pattern was supposed to be. It ends up being an easy interception for the Rams. They get a long return and set up a touchdown just before halftime. So instead of the Ravens leading 10 to nothing, or maybe even 13 or 17 to nothing at half, they lead only 10-7, to and the Rams got the ball first to start the second half. After the game, Sean McVay from the Rams coach said he thought that was one of the biggest plays of the game. And then even in the, and then in the fourth quarter, the Ravens are leading by two. They have first and goal at the five. They get to second and goal at the two. And somehow that drive ends up being a 34-yard field goal because there is a huge delay of game penalty on third and four at a third and goal at the four. Now it's third and goal at the nine. The Rams get pressure. Huntley is sacked, and the Ravens are held to a field goal. Daniel Wilcox, it just felt like, especially after that sack and being held to the field goal, the momentum of the game shifted. And now the Rams are only down five instead of down nine, and they have time to get down and get one touchdown to win. Did it feel that way to you that the, the, the delay of game, the sack, all of that changed the momentum? Could you feel the momentum shifting? Absolutely, man. I Just watching this game, Bo, I, I felt like the Ravens were playing the Ravens. It was so weird, right? You, you know, you see the way the Rams end up winning this game, coming back at the very end, you know, making the plays, the interception before halftime, um, scoring a touchdown when they needed it, making the first downs when they needed it, you know, and it's just it, it was like the Ravens playing the Ravens, and and it's and it's and, and that, you can look at that at, at so many different ways. You know, Baltimore beat themselves time in and time out. You know, but going into this game, I didn't think the Ravens had a chance. You know, with Aaron Donald and company and on the defense, I think the the, the Rams defense has solidified themselves as one of the top defenses in the league. You know, so to be able to come in into a city like Baltimore, which is hard to play in Baltimore if you're another team, you're an opposing team. I think the fans in Baltimore do a phenomenal job of of being disciplined and being smart and being smart fans, being loud when they're supposed to be, be quiet when they're supposed to be quiet. And um, they backed the Ravens like crazy. I, I was really, really happy with the way the Ravens perform in spite of everything. But when you start to get a couple players back, you know, it gives you a little bit more juice, you know, and I think that helped. You know, um, when you start seeing these guys show back up and they haven't been on the field in six, seven weeks, man, it's a huge, you know, momentum boost, booster for your team um, to see the guys play the way that they played. I just felt like 
we put ourselves in a in, in a situation where you can be disappointed in this game because you could have easily this game could have easily been a blowout. You know, I was going into this thing thinking like, it's no way. You know, I'm, I'm like like last week I was like, who the heck is fifteen? Like, where does quarterback come from? You know, so you know, this week it could have easily been a, another blowout situation for us, and to see us lose another game by one point. You know, it, it breaks your heart, you know, but at the same time, you you have to take your hats off, you know, to the coaching staff and to the players for what they've accomplished this season, regardless of the outcome. Right. I mean, you lost four or five games within one point. And if you go back to the season that the Ravens had a great season, they won four or five games within one or two points. You know, so that's that's the difference in this league. You win those you, some some seasons, you win those games, some seasons you lose those games. You know, and this is one of those seasons where we just can't, you know, the ball just don't bounce um, quite right for us. And we um, we took an L on a game that we really, really should have won. And and momentum is everything. Like I was talking, I've been talking to you all year long about confidence, right? You know, confidence individually and players. It's the same thing as confidence individually as a team, you know? So once that momentum starts to shift a little bit, your confidence builds a little bit and you start to believe. And believing is everything. You know, the Ravens got some, the ball bounced their way a couple of times early in the game. That missed field goal by the Rams in the first quarter was huge. That gave the Ravens a little bit of sense of confidence. You can hear the fans stand up and, and, and roar as soon as that thing misses in Baltimore. And then the Ravens come down, they score, and they score. They, they, you know, they get the pick six, they get the field goal, they up by 10. All of a sudden, oh, we can win this, you know? So they, they start to really start to believe. And, and that's what it's all about, man, just having the opportunity to, to win the game at the end. And they had an opportunity to win it, and we, we just lost it. The Tyler Huntley interception before halftime, we, you know, they're winning 10 to nothing. And he's just trying to make a play with Marquise Brown. The thing about that play, if you go back and watch it, and Huntley said right away, you could tell it was on him. He said, it's a a throw I shouldn't have made. I want that one back. If you go back and watch that play again, Mark Andrews, has uh, he's underneath all by himself. And if Huntley checks down to Mark Andrews, who's cutting across toward the left, Andrews probably has 25 yards of open field in front of him. But again, you've got a you've got a young quarterback who sees a play to be made downfield with Marquise Brown. He tries it, and it, it basically backfired on them, and it really changed the game. You talked about the pick six. You've been talking all year about the Ravens' need to get plays like this. It's hard to overstate the importance of being able to generate turnovers, right? Everyone talks about pass rush and sacks and so forth. But when you can get turnovers, first of all, you might score on them, as Chuck Clark did. You also get your defense off the field, you give your offense a short field, and you just get the emotion that this game is just built on. And the Ravens have not done that nearly enough this year. We've talked about it all year. They went five games without an interception. Coming into this game, they only had 11 takeaways all year, which was the second fewest in the league. But then Chuck Clark jumps a route, and he said after the game, this was based off film study, and Chuck Clark is a voracious studier of film. And he, he saw the play coming, he expected it, he stepped in front of it, and he gets an easy, untouched touchdown. And then he made a great play on the Rams' second possession to get an interception. So let's talk about Chuck Clark. I mean, this was a guy who was a sixth-round draft pick out of Virginia Tech. And frankly, when you're a sixth-round pick, you might not even make the team as a rookie. I mean, there are six-round picks who don't even make this team. Chuck Clark, you know, spent his time as a special teamer first couple of years. He did make the team grinded away on special teams like a lot of low-round draft picks will do. Tony Jefferson got hurt. He ended up moving into the starting lineup a few years ago. 
And before long, he's basically the field general. He's the guy that wears the green dot on the helmet to communicate the entire defense. Very cerebral player. Everyone will tell you how smart he is in terms of the game. When you watch Chuck Clark play, Daniel Wilcox, what what do you think he does best? I think he's consistent, you know, more than anything. You know, like he's, he's usually where he's supposed to be all the time you can tell that he's definitely a smart player um and he's and he's mr consistency for the raven secondary you know so you i think you have two all pro corners on the end you know with the two guys that are out right now and I, when you look at the the secondary um you, you're looking for somebody to give you um those dynamic plays that ed reed used to give you right on the back end you know chuck is not Ed Reed by far, you know, but he's such a smart guy, which that's what that's what made Ed so special. Ed was even though Ed was as gritty as he was and played as hard as he played and he was athletic as he was, he was such a sharp, smart guy. Like he studied film religiously, like him and Ray were literally sitting there for hours upon hours upon hours and watch film at the at the um, facility and then go home and do the same exact thing. And it's like, dude, you don't want to watch a movie. You don't want to watch something else. You know, I'm, I'm watching film, I'm studying the quarterback. And, you know, I think what Chuck does a really good job of is just being able to find out what play is going to be the one that you're going to pick them off on. Right. You know, you go you go through this entire film and you study every single formation, every single motion, every single drop back, you know, every single shotgun pass. And then you're trying to figure out which which play is the play that they run all the freaking time, every game. Okay, they're going to run the crossing route with the out with the drag behind it. That's the play that I'm going to pick them off on. They line up in this formation. Sometimes they motion the guy to get to that formation. Sometimes they shift the guy to get to that formation. But when they get to this formation and they, they motion this guy, they throw the same play every single time. That's the play that you're going to jump. It's their go-to play. It's the play that they, they, they run every single game. They're they going to change all the plays and routes and stuff throughout the year, but it's just one play that they're going to throw every single game. He figures out what that play is. He jumps that play and puts himself in the opportunity to make plays like he did, I think, this past Sunday. You know, I was, I was super happy to see him get two interceptions, not just one, but two, and then take one to the house. And that's that's what's always made the Ravens defense so special. You know, it felt really, really good, man. That's why the Ravens had a shot to win this game. Well, it's true. And I said at the time, I said last week, I think it would take a defense or a special teams touchdown and, you know, and and long drives for them to have a chance to win. And they got both those things. And it's a great point you make about the the film study. I think Chuck Clark did exactly that. I think he, you know, he recognized formations, he recognized motions, he recognized situations, and he, he you could tell he knew the play that was coming. And I think you, you make a good point, too, about Chuck Clark is not Ed Reed. He's not the ball hawk safety. That I think what they would love to do is find that next kind of free safety ball hawk guy and pair that person with Chuck Clark. I think that would right. be a really good combination at the back of this defense. The Ravens now have lost five games in a row. First time ever for the John Harbaugh, uh, a John Harbaugh coach Ravens team. We mentioned four of them have been by two points or less. Let's face it, this is not a situation that many or any of these players have been in. Most, you know, pro players, because they're so good, they're pros. And if they're pros, they were probably on really good college teams. As an example, Mark Andrews lost six games his entire college career six now he's lost five in a row as a member of the Ravens it's so unusual so tell me Daniel how does this affect players I don't know what the longest losing streak you ever had to deal with is but how do how, how can players go in that locker room what's the most important way for them to kind of 
get over this other than win a game? Yeah, I don't know what the largest um, losing streak I've ever had either. I, I think that's just it. I think I think you get so brainwashed in the NFL of trying to have amnesia, right? Trying to forget. You know, you have to be able to forget and move on to the next game so that you can be prepared and ready to go for the next opportunity that you get. You know, so I don't think – I think you feel this because it feels like you suck, right, during the season. You feel this now, but you don't remember this come offseason. It's a new season. It's a new year. You know, over the years, this season is a vague, vast memory, deep, deep, deep locked into your subconscious and you're not thinking about it no more. You know, so it's one of, to me, I think it's one of those things where you feel it right now because you know, you know, you've lost four games by a total of four points, four or five points. And there's no feeling like, man, I wish we could have got this field goal here or I, if I could have just got that ball on the tip of my fingers you know, you 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 always try to put yourself in a situation, you know, where you're bettering yourself and getting better as a player and trying to progress and being progressive all the time. Like, how can I get better next year than I did last year? I trained with this guy this year. So this year I'm going to train with this guy. You know, this guy had a phenomenal season. Maybe it had something to do with the training. I don't know. You know, it could have been a cereal he ate every morning. Who knows? You know, at the end of the day, you know, you you have to have uh, uh, amnesia in this league. You got to forget. You got to be able to love this game enough to forget the tough times in it, but remember the great times in it and being able to take those great times and continue to build. It's like building a brick wall. You know, you start with a solid foundation. You know, you lay down the gravel and all that type of stuff after you dig it all out. And then you go brick by brick until it gets up tall enough there. You feel like you have some privacy, you know, and this game is the same way, you know, it's brick by brick. It's layers upon layers upon layers of moments that make you successful and build your confidence and get you to the point where you feel like you're unstoppable or you're invincible. I think having this losing season, you know, for, you know, for Harbaugh, I think it's tough because I remember a couple of years back, they was thinking about, you know, get a new head coach and then he stopped that thought quick, you know, and now, you know, a contract extension, then you go through a season like this where you obviously can't really put this on the head coach you know you try to figure out what's going on with all the injuries you know i obviously something's wrong here you know but at the end of the day you can't go out and win without your team you know and to be able to put yourself in situations to win week in and week out almost willed yourself you know players the way the players play the attitude of the organization and hardball one thing i can say about him is he brought in play like a raven you know nobody else was saying play like a Raven until Harbaugh came in there. And that was his staple. I want you guys to play like a Raven. Now, obviously, play like a Raven had to mean something. So Billy was a huge part of building what a Raven should be. And Harbaugh came in and stamped it, you know, play like a Raven. And I agree, you know, play like a freaking Raven. You guys, we've always had some dudes in Baltimore, you know, that played phenomenal. This organization, to me, is the number one organization in pro football. You know, I feel like Steve Bashotti, the owner, he's the beginning of greatness and his greatness pours down into Dick Cass, the president. And then it pours down into the player personnel and the head coaches and the coaching staff and to the, even the front office, the, the, the people in the lunchroom, you know, is phenomenal in Baltimore. You know, every, it's just, it's so great of an organization. And, you know, even me being gone for 10 years and, getting a chance to come back there and get in the player personnel department and kind of hang with those guys for a couple of months and see so many old faces, you know, you just don't see that in every organization. It's like a revolving door. 
So to go back to see people that's been there for 10, 15 years that was there at the beginning of my career, there at the end of my career, there 10 years after I come back out of retirement, man, it's it's phenomenal. I mean, the guy Manny that works in the in the in the, in the lunchroom, Manny's been there forever. And you know, that to me, that's a staple. Like people love that place. They don't want to leave, you know. So the players feel it too. I remember guys coming in. I remember Trevor Price coming in when I was there. And he was like, oh my God. Like he was like, I was about to retire, Wilcox. I feel like I could play another six, seven years now. You know what I'm saying? Like it was Steve McNair, same thing. You know, you see guys come from these other organizations and they come to to, to Baltimore and it's kind of like they get rejuvenated. I think Calais Campbell is one of those guys. And then he gets rejuvenated. He gets rebirthed almost and plays well for you. Went to my great, great. And then he's that type of veteran leadership that you that you need. And you have to be smart enough as a player personnel department, as a coaching staff to know that you need those guys. You know, I won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay and there was a guy by the name of Lomas Brown there. And he was that same guy. He was a player's coach. He was out there. He was an older guy, been an offensive tackle his whole career. He was like on year 12 and Lomas barely played for us, but he was that veteran leadership. He took me underneath his wing, had great conversations with me. And it kept me motivated and kept me focused and, you know, showed me how to be a pro. And, you know, I think Baltimore has a lot of that in them. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, there's there's been a lot of talk around here, obviously, when when, when a team scuffles and struggles. Coaching staff changes. There's always going to be player changes. We can get into more of that later. But let's face it, this team still has one more game to go, and they need to win. They have Pittsburgh coming in for the season finale, the regular season finale, And just to recap what has to happen for the Ravens to make the playoffs at this point, they need, first of all, they need to win. They need to beat Pittsburgh on a day that is likely to be the last game for Ben Roethlisberger. And so there's going to be a lot of emotion in that stadium. And there will be some of those terrible towels that you hate so much, for sure. Pittsburgh fans will find their way into that building. But on top of the Ravens needing to beat Pittsburgh, they also need Jacksonville to beat the Indianapolis Colts, which is a tall order. They need New England to beat Miami, and they need Las Vegas to beat the Los Angeles Chargers. They need all four of those things to happen, and if they do, then the Ravens would squeak into the playoffs having beaten both the Colts and the Chargers, who would then be tied with the Ravens for the final spot. So there will be scoreboard watching, but as John Harbaugh has said, look, they first things first, they need to worry about winning this game. Lamar Jackson, we still don't know about. John Harbaugh said there's a chance for Sunday. He's been saying that for three weeks. I will say he was on the sideline on Sunday, and you could see that he was still limping quite a bit. I personally would be surprised if he plays because he just doesn't look like he's ready. We'll see this week what his practice situation is. It won't surprise me again if it's Tyler Huntley, but it will be Ben Roethlisberger for the Steelers. And as we said, it's probably going to be his final game. He's hinted that this year will be his final year. He, you know, They played at home against Cleveland on Monday night, and all the emotion indication were this was his final home game. So now he comes to Baltimore. Terrell Suggs will be back as the Ravens legend of the game, which is perfect because he and Roethlisberger just went at it for years. There's a mutual respect there, but they're, they're, they had some great battles. Daniel Wilcox, what do you think of when you think of Ben Roethlisberger? Um, ben Roethlisberger is like a Ford truck. You know, he's a he's a reliable, you know, he's tough. He's built Ford tough. He reminds me of a pickup truck, like a, a Ford truck. You're like, you jump in it, it's going to crank up every single time. You know, no matter how old it is, you may not, you may change the oil. You may not, the oil may be dirty and gritty. It doesn't even matter. The truck's still going to crank. It's reliable. 
you know, and it's dependable, you know, and whatever you need to throw something in the back of it, you can throw something in the back of it. And it's going to get you where you need to go. You know, so he reminds me of old Ford pickup truck. And um, and he's been he's been around so long, man. He's like besides him and Brady. I can't think of anybody else that's been in the league as long as the, as he has, you know, and um, he's been very he's been a huge fixture in the Pittsburgh Steelers organization for so long. And when you think about going to Pittsburgh, you automatically think Big Ben. I can remember we had some really, really great games against the Pittsburgh Steelers my five years in Baltimore. And whether it was in Baltimore, whether it was in Pittsburgh, you know, it seemed like they was that team every single year that was going to give you fits, you know. And it's kind of like when people was talking about the Ravens early in the year, they was like, yeah, the Ravens don't came back from behind before. Be careful that fourth quarter is going to be, you know, hectic. You know, against the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson was putting together these miraculously comebacks, you know, like you you think of Tom Brady and you think about the comeback king, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is right there. You know, he's right there with you. And he's been consistently doing that for over 10 years, over a decade where you get into a fourth quarter and it's a close game and he finds a freaking way to you know, the drop back and and uh, to extend the play and to, you know, Terrell Suggs hanging on his back. He's shaking it off and he's throwing the ball deep down the field, 70 yards for a touchdown. And you're like, how did he? And it's, you're just shaking your freaking head watching this guy play. He's been a phenomenal player for the Steelers a long time. The, the best play that I can think of, and it's not Ben's best, best play, it's a Ravens best play. It was the hit that Bart Scott put on Ben Roethlisberger. And it felt like it shook the earth. And you know, when you get hit the way Bart hit him, and I remember Bart coming up and he was so emotional. He spit falling out of his mouth, snot coming out of Bart's. It was probably it was probably the most disgusting play out there you've ever seen. But it was you can't even hit a quarterback like that no more. You know, so he's been through that era where quarterbacks could really get hit and they had to play gritty and dirty and nasty, hurt, banged up. You know, the whole nine yards and he could come in dragging a foot, dragging an arm and still throw the ball for 60 yards down the field and make a play. And he just he's a guy that just never gave up, man. And he was it was a pleasure to play against a guy like Ben. And, um, you know, this been his last and final season. I know a lot of he's going to make a lot of people happy. You know, a lot of people happy that he's retiring. He's also going to break a lot of hearts, going to be a lot of tears. I think James Harrison posted a video the other day and James was one of my teammates over in NFL Europe. And then he came here and went to the Steelers. You know, and James Harrison posted a video of being like, that's my quarterback. And I mean, that says a lot, man. It's a defensive guy posting a video of the Steelers and, you know, him playing in Baltimore, him playing in um, Pittsburgh and, you know, and showing, you know, Ben Roethlisberger being his quarterback and how passionate he is about that guy. And, you know, it, it became a really good friend of his. I mean, I think to me, I, th- I think it says a lot about who Ben Roethlisberger is. I think he's definitely given every bit of himself that he could give, you know, like Ben, you know, he's, he's always been notoriously known for not being a hard, hard worker, like a guy that studied film like crazy. But I think everything that he had to give, he gave to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And uh, as you said, there will be there will be a lot of emotion in the stadium with him on Sunday. Let's go back for a minute. Um, You know, five weeks, six weeks ago, the, they, they played at Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh wins 20 to 19. And it was the it was one of these one point losses where the Ravens had a two-point conversion try to get the win, and it glanced off Mark Andrews' fingertips, and and really that play was 
I don't know if it sums up an entire season, but it sure seemed like a good image to show what has happened over the second half of this season. They've got a chance to win. Ball glances off Mark Andrews' fingertips, and they lose by one. The Ravens had held the Steelers to three points through the first three quarters of that game, and then the Steelers got 17 in the fourth quarter. There was a defensive breakdown on one of the touchdowns, and then, again, the Ravens drive down. It looks like they're gonna, they try to get the win, try to get the win, and they lose by one. The Steelers had seven sacks of Lamar Jackson, three and a half by uh, Watt, two and a half by former Raven Chris Wormley, which was a big surprise. Holding off that pass rush will be critical for the Ravens, especially if Tyler Huntley, well, really, whoever is the quarterback, they've got, they, they can't be, be sacked seven times. Um, that continues to be a problem. Speaking of that, though, I think it's worth mentioning the Ravens re-signed offensive lineman Patrick McCarry this past week. And McCarry's a guy that came here as an undrafted rookie out of Cal and and was not expected to play tackle. Really, when you come here as an undrafted offensive lineman, you're just trying to make the team. And they looked at him at center. They looked at him at guard. They looked at him at tackle a little bit. It looked like he was going to probably end up as a guard slash center. Makes the team as an undrafted rookie, which is always kind of a cool story. Now, in the last couple of years, he's basically played every single position on this team. You watch him in training camp, he'll get reps at every position. And this year, with the offensive line struggles, they say, hey, can, let's, let's have you go out and try to play right tackle. He hadn't played right tackle at all for this team. And he's played quite well over the course of the year. So McCary getting the new contract, it's well-earned. He's It's interesting. When he signed his deal, the Ravens showed footage of him. He was wearing a blue mechanic shirt. You talk about the Ford Tough. He was wearing this blue mechanic shirt, and it seemed like a fitting thing for an offensive lineman to wear because he's a blue-collar player. Uh, but he gets the new deal. Another player I want to talk about is Jimmy Smith. With the trouble in the secondary for this team, with so many guys hurt, Jimmy Smith ends up playing every snap against the Rams. He has not played a whole lot this year. Uh, he's 33 years old. We talk about Ben Roethlisberger. This could be his final game. This could be Jimmy Smith's final game. He's in a one-year. The Ravens brought him back on a one-year deal. He never, in my opinion, really got to the potential he could get to because he was he had so many injuries and it was tough. But he's a former first-round draft pick, and he will always be remembered for making the play in the Super Bowl against Crabtree in the end zone that preserved the win. How else should fans remember Jimmy Smith? I think when I think about Jimmy, you know, and this is meeting him up in Baltimore when I was up there for a little while as well. You know, what I seen, he was just a, a, a real pro. You know, he was always he was always where he was supposed to be. He was always on time. You know, he carried himself extremely well, whether it was on the field or off the field. He did things in the community, which I thought was special. Um, I think you have in order to be a great Raven, you have to be willing to do things in the community around there as well. And I think he's done that. Um, he solidified himself with that, and you know, in the fans. Um and I think he was a an amazing leader. Like I can remember, you know, them talking about two guys. Jimmy Smith was one of them. They was talking about his importance in the locker room, you know, and, you know, how the guys see him, you know, and how he carries himself and the things that he says and the things that he does. And I think all those things are important. And he was consistent on the field. And he was a bigger DB, right? He was a guy that, you know, could play corner, could cover, and then you could put him at safety, you know, later in his career, and he could still make plays for you. He was a guy that could probably could have possibly made that transition very easily and do great things for you. And he was versatile. You know, he was able to play multiple positions with being the size that he was, long rangey DB, and that could get in, in the in the slot and play in the slot, can get back deep and play back deep. And he could play on both edges, on both sides of the ball. And I thought that was pretty good, you know. And um I just think Jimmy has been 
he's been able to put together a very quiet, long career. You know, so he didn't he didn't he's not the guy jumping in the water, making cannonballs, but he's he's diving in and it's a smooth transition every time he gets in. Right. It's real smooth. Um, he's not making he's not making a big splash to get all the attention, but he's consistent. And, he you know, he dives in and it's a smooth entry every single time. And he just he make he make plays for you. I, I, this 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 game against the Rams, he had a huge stop uh, in the fourth quarter that looked like it was going to be one of the game changing plays. I remember this summer watching training camp. There was a crossing pattern over the middle. Jimmy Smith went down, and it looked bad at the time. I thought he might have hurt his Achilles again, and I thought, this might be it for him. I mean, he just he stayed on the ground for a while. He was carted off the field, and he thought, you know, this might be the end of his career with everything else that's happened. It turned out it was just an ankle sprain, and he missed some time. But, you know, we fought back. And, and Harbaugh said this week he thought Jimmy Smith this past week, you know, moved as well as he had since before that injury in training camp. Um, mm-hmm. But he's had, like I said, he's 33 years old. He was a former first-round pick. He's had a long career here. He won a Super Bowl. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying his career is over, but he's at the end of his contract. He's 33 years old, and I don't know if he'll be back. I saw him come out of the tunnel as a starter. They announced the defensive starters on at the game last week, and it was, you know, and, and frankly, if everybody's healthy, he may not have been introduced as a starter. So I thought it was deserving and worthy that he came out introduced as a starter and that he got that moment if, indeed, his career is coming to an end. As I said, it will. He'll always be remembered for breaking up that pass in the end zone with Crabtree in the Super Bowl, and deservedly, he won a Super Bowl championship here. You talked about being active in the community and and Jimmy Smith's future. That leads us to another question, and we'll get into this more in future shows. But if the Ravens were to lose this game and the or or win and not advance, both things could happen. If the Ravens fail to make the playoffs, they quickly turn to a postseason that or a off season that's going to be tricky. Bradley Bozeman has been one of the biggest community guys for this team. He is always doing food drives and charity work in this organization. He's a two-time Man of the Year nominee for Baltimore. He's His contract is up. There's a lot of questions whether he'll be back. We talked about will Jimmy Smith be back. Just a few of the guys that the Ravens have to deal with in the offseason and whether they'll be back, Bradley Bozeman, Patrick Ricard, Calais Campbell, Brandon Williams, Deshaun Elliott, Anthony Averett are all pending free agents, and you're not, as Matthew Judon last year said last year, you, you can't bring everybody back, so there will be some turnover. But they've got one game left to worry about before they worry about that. They have to worry about beating Pittsburgh and having some help from teams like Jacksonville if they can pull off a miracle and the Patriots and Las Vegas. What do the Ravens need to do to win this game? I think the Ravens got to have a heck of a defensive game you know, to pull this off. I think special teams is definitely going to be a factor for them in this game as well. And I think on the offensive side of the ball, they got to score at least 14 points. I think they're going to need at least two touchdowns from offense. Um, If they can jump out ahead early on Pittsburgh, since we are playing in Baltimore, maybe that, that'll be a good start for us, but we just need some, we need some confidence builders early on in this game. And um, I think we got a chance, you know, it's all about winning two phases out of the three phases, you know, offense, defense, and special teams. You know, so whether or not it's the defense and special teams that win or the offense and special teams that win, we got to figure out a way to win two phases, you know, and um, I think quarterback play is going to be important, you know, um, super important. And I, I think um, I think the consistency from the receivers, you know, is, is really important as well. You know, not dropping passes, you know, catching everything that's thrown, no matter how bad of a throw it is, um, making up for it, you know, doing a job that they, you expect from the dude. The reason why you get paid in this league to be a receiver is you catch everything. You know, it's no excuses, you know, so. 
I think if the receivers can be consistent and we get good quarterback play out of Huntley, I think Huntley will be a starter again this week. I don't think Lamar will play. Um, I think his injury is a little, a lot worse than they let on from the beginning. And I kind of felt that when I saw the, the original play, she said it was an ankle sprain. I was like, oh, okay, it's an ankle sprain, <laughs> you know, but um, I think quarterback play will be important and trying to get out early on the Steelers to make them play from behind so you can change their game plan. Because the Steelers is a smash mouth team just like us. They want to run Najee Harris as much as possible, you know, to try to, to try to keep you off the field on offense. You know, we have to control the, the time of possession in this game and, and make plays. Yep, and it, I, I hadn't mentioned, you know, talking about the receivers, I hadn't mentioned Mark Andrews. We talk about him every week, but it is worth mentioning. He did break the Ravens' all-time single-season receiving record last week. Uh, he now has 99 catches this year. He's four away from Derek Mason's single-season record. I would think, barring a shock, that he will get that record this week. And it's also worth noting that with everybody else that's been dropping like flies this whole year, Andrews has been out there. I don't think he's even missed a practice this year. Um, he has just been a just remarkably consistent player for the Ravens. And congratulations to him for making for earning that record. It is well earned and well deserved. And as I said, he'll he'll only he should only add to it this week. All right, Ravens Steelers M and T Bank Stadium on Sunday. Most likely the final game for Ben Roethlisberger. We will see. If it's the final game for the Ravens in 2021 season, that's going to depend on what the Ravens do and what several other teams do as well. And then from there, we will project into the postseason or into the offseason. Thank you for joining us this week on the Believe in the Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Bo Smolka, again with my co-host, Daniel Wilcox, on the Believe Podcast Network.